Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. All right. Hi, friends. Today, we're going to deep dive, hi, John, into some stripper culture. Hi, Nikki Diesel. Howdy. Howdy. Uh, John, Nikki, and I, we're going to speak with Nikki Diesel. She's a dancer who began her strip club work in Washington, D.C. in 2009. And she now works in Portland, Oregon for the last four years. We started at the same the same year, Nikki. Uh, weird. Yeah, the economy. <laughs> uh, I met I met you uh, because for the last four years we've been booked together in the same tiny strip club, and I have been dying to invite my foul-mouthed and tiny-bodied badass coworker <laughs> on. Uh, she has a lot to say about culture differences in club culture. I feel really grateful because I'm happy to hear from you because I have friends from the East Coast and I've been to the East Coast, but a lot of Portland girls haven't uh, and they just don't know how good we have it sometimes or how different it is. Definitely. So let's attempt to dissect what it's like dancing, uh, maybe dating in Portland for women working in our very accessible but still stigmatized industry. Nikki Diesel can be found in Portland, Oregon. Uh, John, you've seen Nikki dance. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly like her <laughs> her specific style. I do remember, I believe we had a blunt together. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely smoked together. <laughs> Traditional. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's very uh, dynamic, strong. Um, what did your first shift in D.C. look like when you started? Um, when I started, I was actually cocktail waitressing um, with a fake ID that they didn't even look at. So they it really like I was 17. I'd oh, already shit. dropped out of high school. There's a couple of other girls who are actually in high school still also dancing there. But um, I was cocktail waitressing until I was actually 18. And then that's when I started to dance. So I'd already been in the club for a year. Mm-hmm. I'd already um, <clears throat> fucked around on the pole after work mm-hmm. several times and mm-hmm. this, that, and the other before I got up there. But um, and my my first shift ever in the strip club was insane. Like the girl who's supposed to be training me to be a cocktail waitress, at some point I found her in the bathroom, like in her own puke with her money everywhere. Oh my God. So, um, but I had made like 
several hundred dollars already. Mm-hmm. Some dude made it rain on me. I was wearing like Keds <laughs> and like jean shorts. I didn't know what to wear. Wait, they let you wear Keds? No, I didn't. I didn't know what to wear. I wore the wrong thing. Oh, okay. I like, screwed up my outfit. How like, did they not? How did they not like give you? Did they not find you or get you in trouble? Was it not that regulated? Were they like? Um, they not- find the dancers. Oh. Um. Oh, you were okay. That's right. You were wearing Keds to your cocktailing strip yeah okay so what did your first stripper shift look like uh my first stripper shift so i'd already had like i was already friends with the whole staff and like most of the dancers and stuff so i was still super nervous i don't think i really made any money because i was just like i don't know fucking around and bullshitty i was i was super nervous on stage i mm-hmm. screamed you screamed i was like ah! <laughs> At what point did you scream? Like in the beginning or just Yeah, the in the beginning. Because it's like everybody I know at that point was like watching me and like expecting something. And uh, that's uh, I wore eight inch heels the first time I danced. Eight? Oh my eight. God. Oh my God. That um, I wanted to be a real stripper. How tall are you, Nikki, by the way? I'm five feet tall. She's five feet tall. <laughs> so you were like the average American woman's height with eight inch heels on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We do work. We work a petite stripper shift at our current club. It's called Tiny Tuesday, and like I'm, I'm the tallest one. I'm five two ish. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and you ended up working there for like four years. You said before you moved to Portland. Yeah, in DC, but I worked at several different clubs. Okay. So, what would you say are some like common differences between Portland and DC clubs when you were experiencing them? Um, so, I will say, it's kind of interesting. So. Like, dancing across the country, I like D.C. and Portland the most. Mm-hmm. But they are really, really different. Um, the customer culture here is really different. But that's also the clubs we work at. That's not to say, like, there are some clubs in town that are more, like, typical strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Like, upscale gentlemen's Yeah, clubs. people are just there to spend money and, like, you know, have a dick measuring contest and, <laughs> you know, look cool. Uh-huh. And talk to chicks. The mm-hmm. clubs we work at um, are really different. People come to kind of like just hang out, hang out with their friends. That's something I've never experienced before in high volume of female customers. Mm-hmm. And it, people don't just tip. It's kind of like this weird thing where you have to like convince them here. Yeah. Well, yeah. at the clubs we work at. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've worked at like seven or so clubs in Portland in the last 10 years. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely people are like it's kind of rangy here, though. Like there's different yeah. types of clubs. I would say. certainly. Oh, and I've worked in upscale clubs. Yeah. yeah. But you definitely people. I feel like because people are like, oh, it's so chill. I'm just going to my neighborhood bar and there happens to be naked girls here. I'm yeah. Like, we get that a lot at our club <sighs> and um, I, I don't like it. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't like it. Either. It's it's just a lot of extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have hella white girls here. Yeah, that's your thing. You're like, I'm used to working around black dancers. Like definitely like the attitude here is different. But like I've gone to different clubs here where there it is more diverse and the girls are a little bit more. Um, I know they're just there to work and a little less sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> a little less sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like if you're getting naked for strangers, you maybe need to like, you know, buck up a bit. Like we're not here to like make friends necessarily. If you do, that's great. But I mean, you got to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it, why you're doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, um, it is a really interesting thing in like our specific dancing community where people are very concerned with each other mm. and less so maybe like focusing on just, you know, getting money and yeah, regulars and stuff like that. Showing up and making money. 
Yeah, I've always been really surprised by the amount of socializing that goes on before the shift and then after the shift. And when I started actually at a club in town, one of the like most booked girls at the time, she she's like, let me tell you a secret. If you want to do well in this industry, you have to do after hours and hang out with people. That's how it was when I first started <sighs> um, at our club. Right. Um, and it's like, I don't want a social ladder climb. I just want to. Yeah, almost every night after work at like, they were always asking me to like do body shots after work and this, that and the other. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. Dog, I've been doing this for a minute. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> like, I want to go. Like, I want to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smoking weed all night. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, there's like VIP rooms and stuff in I would say like a half or maybe a third of the clubs in Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think in terms of DC? Because I feel like the clients there are probably more like straight middle aged men, like the classic. Yeah, model. absolutely. And a lot of the clubs in DC, um, well. Legally, there are like no lap dances in D.C. proper. Really? Yeah. And in Virginia and Maryland, um, where a lot of dancers, if you're from D.C., you might dance in Virginia or Maryland. Um, that's another thing. Also, like back home, most girls lived pretty far away from their from their job. Mm-hmm. I was always one of the only ones who lived in the city mm. like, close to work. I remember hearing that Virginia Beach, Virginia, it was topless only and definitely no touching yeah so in virginia um you have to wear a g-string most places you have to wear pasties is there alcohol uh yeah and that's like it's they all correlate for some reason like how much clothes you're wearing vip dances and liquor licenses i don't know it's this whole dumb thing yeah yeah so also um they have like beer and wine that's it yeah and like beer and wine products like sake and like but they don't have hard liquor really yeah and so in dc there's hard liquor it's the law like it that's what i'm saying like it all correlates like honestly county to county throughout the country it's like this but like in virginia the law is you have to have pasties you have to have a g-string and there are dances but no liquor and um are the dances like air dances or is there contact air dances but like depending on where you're at you know how clubs work like some places don't care yeah I mean, we all want to make money. So if it's like yeah. the rule is you're not supposed to be touching, but the, the club I was like- at right before here was in Arlington, Virginia, which is like I was like two. A, I was walking distance from the Pentagon at this club. Whoa. Yeah. And I grew up around there. And um, so it's Virginia, but you're basically in D.C. But the law is still the same. And so that place I had to do air dances there. There's no lap dances, which is kind of like weird moving here because it's really touchy feely ass clubs yeah. and in dc proper full nudity no dances full bar full nudity no dances full bar yeah it's like in san diego where it's three g-strings on the girls and they all have to be one inch thick and they mm-hmm. have alcohol and it's topless That's otherwise. It in virginia and then maryland's kind of a free-for-all so was it kind of a culture shock like switching between those two types of club environments uh absolutely oh my god so <laughs> like us. you really don't have to do much to make money at home like you mm. dance people give you money that's it like you hang out with customers and um what the last club i worked at in dc proper before the one in virginia you couldn't spread your legs open once your panties are off like mm. it was very like and i remember going from virginia clubs first to a dc club and seeing all that nudity and being like holy shit <laughs> and going back to a Virginia air dance club and then coming here. And the first club I worked at was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, this is a lot. Like girls vaginas are on dude's face. Mm-hmm. No money in front of them. 
oh yeah crazy touchy feely dances oh yeah we have to do a lot here there was a girl just walking up like tied up in shivari just walking around the club and i'd never seen no shit like that before i was like whoa which is kind of amazing because it's like the diversity in like the costuming is is so stimulating and beautiful and but like we have to do so much we have to work so fucking much and to that get, club like, was dead mind you there's yeah. like two customers in there all night girls are walking around tied up for no reason i'm like what is happening in here i only worked there for like a month or two before i found lucky devil mm-hmm. yeah um and you also produce a show called sex pdx yeah what was the motivation to do that um i was tell us about that what is sex pdx first of all sex pdx is a dance party uh, for and by sex workers but we also cater kind of to like the queer community mm-hmm. um but it's performances and go-go's but mostly just a dance party um it's kind of like everybody party is what we like to call it mm-hmm. and the goal is kind of to get different groups of people intermingling and just feeling comfortable around each other so i try to like invite a lot of like cis customer type people and have them intermixed with a bunch of sex workers and drag queens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um just having a good time it's really mm-hmm. it's all about just something to do really in portland there's not like that many events that i'm stoked about so i kind of just wanted to me and my partners cool. wanted to make our own yeah you said something where you're like we need an actual like sex industry show yeah so it's run by sex workers and it's for sex workers and most of our performers and go-go dancers are sex workers but um there also i just wasn't seeing a lot of diversity in anything similar to that so not only are we um hiring sex workers but it's plus size go-go's trans go-go's boy go-go's um which is something i wasn't allowed to do um as a a go-go manager at other places here Mm -hmm. they only wanted chicks that look like us pretty much mm-hmm. so coming from dc that is way more diverse it just it gets kind of cringy being in these little white bubble environments mm-hmm. and um it's just a bunch of like tattooed chicks circle jerking each other is pretty much all it is yeah let's <laughs> let's really briefly speak to that john um it's like a cultural phenomenon here where it's like some kind of weird yeah. competition circle jerk of girls like heavily we, when i say girls i mean strippers portland strippers but like recognizing each other in public and interacting in these weird like primate almost like grooming rituals where it's just like butt kissing and calling each other babe but you're not really friends and it's like just focus just show up and say hi how are you and then go talk to the customers yeah it's a big (laughs) no-no back home big no-no like you don't just go up talking to people you're not friends with at work you just yeah oh you'll get your ass kicked that's the thing like girls are hella sensitive here where it's like you're like I'll say to someone like, hey, I I moved your stuff over. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Is that okay? I'm just having (laughs) such a rough day. And I'm like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. (laughs) So sometimes girls would be losing their fucking minds in the dressing room over nothing. No drama at all. And me and Nikki just look at each other like, this isn't real shit. Well, it seems like girls are dancers here for other reasons. Like, I'm going to say it like flat out, like the money just as a dancer really ain't there like if you hadn't already been dancing for a while it's almost kind of crazy to start now in portland it's hard the money is so bad so So you could make the same amount waitressing or bartending somewhere in town or maybe working like two retail jobs like Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. so but um, there's yeah you you get dancers dancing for different reasons different motivations Mm -hmm. and i a lot of it i think is just because it's fun and it's easy here they don't realize that like everywhere else it's not cool to be a stripper you're not going around telling people you're trying to decide if you're going to tell 
friends or whatnot if you're a dancer mm-hmm. the stigma is greater on the east Coast. yeah or here it's like it's cool to be a stripper and Cooler. nine times out of ten somebody you know it's a stripper here that's interesting mm-hmm. i didn't think about how being a stripper would be so absolutely different in portland than it is in you know another less progressive part of the country well no i mean all over the country it's not cool to be a stripper like yeah like it's just not even if you're in an area that is known for like being like atlanta mm-hmm. like it's known for its strip clubs up but as a dancer living there you're not going around telling people mm-hmm. and it's not cool mm-hmm. yeah i heard from a lady i had asked a bunch of sex workers specifically strippers like about the varying stigma around the country and Uh, I never forget this lady. She said, when I worked in New York, I didn't date at all for years because I couldn't tell anyone what I did. It's so looked down upon. Yeah. So years. That's that's what I always say. That's what I trade off on. I'm like, (laughs) there's no money here, but at least I could just breathe being a stripper and I don't have to worry about that day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, let's talk more about all the stigma and dating stuff. I want to talk about some dating stuff. Yeah. When we come back, let's take a break. Rax is the first native app designed by and for sex workers with unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking, and event calendars. Use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on Rax and more events, in-depth courses, and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.raxtoriches.com. R-A-C-K-S to riches.com. And just for Strange Bedfellows listeners, use discount code SBP at checkout for 10% off any educational products. Are you looking for a sex worker-friendly therapist who specializes in gender and sexuality in the Portland, Oregon, or Vancouver, Washington area? Sue Uvery is licensed in both states. Visit www.genderandsextherapy.com to learn more about Sue's offerings and her experience working with adults, youth, queer, and trans folks. Sue also accepts sliding scale rates for cash-only clients. Visit genderandsextherapy.com to meet Sue and to create a path to self-care and wellness. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows, your favorite politics, self-help, and sex podcast. We're here talking today with Nikki Diesel and Al. Yeah. And what do we have today, Al? We have Nikki Diesel, who is a Portland area entertainer and sex worker. Let's do some listener questions. What are some of the benefits you found from stripping? What are some of the challenges? <sighs> you Loaded start question. Huh? <laughs> Loaded question. Loaded oh. question. Let's start with the first one. What are some of the benefits? What do you like about the work? Um, well, I love dancing. I've I've always loved dancing and um, like growing up and performing is great. There's really like I can't really get that anywhere else. Anytime I've taken a break from dancing, I miss being on stage and pole dancing the most. Mm-hmm. And I definitely like just being comfortable with myself and my sexuality and being comfortable with a lot of things. I think, quote unquote, normie people mm-hmm. might not be comfortable with. Um, and you're kind of like forced to like learn more about yourself and be more confident. It's it's a very humbling job. I mean, people don't think about that way, but you know, you're getting naked for strangers and being berated and uh, belittled on a nightly basis. And, you know, just, it, it teaches you some things I don't think you can get 
anywhere else i started laughing because all these stories started flooding into my brain of like people we've been frustrated with in the last week yeah um we should definitely vent about that later because it's hilarious (laughs) um yeah we i like to refer to non-sex workers as civilians because it's like yeah i guess understand the battles we put up with (laughs) like this feels like a war sometimes it does um uh, but the the body awareness, I realize uh, that's true. It's it's such like uh, in terms of like adrenaline seeking or just like satisfying your own adrenaline that you already have, like the urges you already feel like you can't really get that from any other things. There's something yeah. about being an athlete or a performer. And um, I don't know about you, but like doing it this long, I just feel very in my element at the club. Like I just feel almost like my whole self at this point, like 10 years in. Um, I love that like after a while like you're you're naked for so long around strangers for so long like you kind of just lose this barrier where it just makes it really easy to be yourself I love that I kind of feel sometimes that I'm floating when I'm walking around like confidently you feel that zoning out yeah it's like here I am rock me like a hurricane no um so, so what, i like doing a nice rhythmic walk i know and like, i like i like a nice witness ryth- me yeah oh, witness me indeed <laughs> um so what are and then on that what are some of the challenges because i agree with everything you said uh oh also money is nice it's nice to it's actually like they've done studies where it feels gratifying for people to count money even if it's not theirs so being handed money and that having a lot of sense. tangible money right you're like, oh, this is mine. And it feels different than like being handed a paycheck or a direct deposit. Or waiting for a check. Yes. Because you've yeah, had other I've jobs. I've had a lot of regular jobs mm-hmm. like this entire time. And yeah, I could definitely say counting money, even if it's not that much, mm-hmm. feels better. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other challenges? Ooh, what about repetitive motion injuries? Um, Personally speaking. I do a lot of work like physical therapy, yoga to like make sure my spine doesn't get crooked. I'm awful. I don't do a lot of, um, I don't do a whole lot outside of being at work, honestly. In terms of like maintenance. In terms of like stretching and um, working out or doing yoga or anything like that. Um, I will get injuries here and there, but I kind of like don't anymore. I don't know. I feel like I got more injured when I was younger, maybe when I was getting more drunk. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. um, Yes, slamming those knees around. Yeah, I, everything's so muscle memory at this point. Like, I feel like I, it's really rare if I get an injury. Like, I was fucking around or I did something mm-hmm. stupid. I get injured less um, now than definitely in the first three years. You know, I don't feel as much body fatigue as I used to, but I feel like I just take care of myself more now. Mm-hmm. You eat I'm, a lot of you eat a lot of protein. I eat a lot of protein. I try to eat like well in general, just good food, not as much junk food but like sometimes you gotta yeah <laughs> but um oh yeah but yeah so I don't know I don't feel like I get injured that much um I will say when I first started here um the dancing style is different you're on your hands and knees more here I, yeah and Ooh. I got knee injuries the first couple of years that I was here which I never had before really okay yeah, yeah. and I've danced more because it's less money here so I'm dance I dance double the amount that I used to back home mm. So you're like actually exerting yourself more for less money mm-hmm. in and, Portland versus um, over there. Yeah, I would work like two nights a week in D.C. And here you're like four or five. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I mean, for a long time, the cost of living was so low here that that was fine. Mm-hmm. Like a girl could be like, I made two hundred and fifty dollars. I'm fucking set because my rent is only four hundred and fifty or whatever. But that was like, again, 10 years ago. So. Yeah. Um, 
so can we talk about um next question john could you read the next question sure have you experienced any obstacles to dating as a stripper when i lived in new york i didn't date at all because the stigma was so significant i couldn't open up easily yeah there's that example so obstacles to dating as a stripper in dc it was really hard um really really hard people really want to like hold it against you and um yeah it's definitely if you're going on a date with somebody it's not on your it's not obvious on your instagram or on your profile anywhere and you generally don't tell people and it's something me and my homegirls would talk about like oh you're going on a date with a new guy are you gonna tell him mm-hmm. or don't tell him he doesn't deserve to know was a common um thing to say mm-hmm. but I grew up in D.C., so I knew a lot of people already. I had many friend circles, and um, most people knew that I was a dancer. Like I said, a lot of girls live far away for these type of reasons, mm-hmm. um, for the sake of dating and not being recognized and stuff like that. Here, I've had trouble dating, I think, not because of dancing. I don't, I don't think dudes care as much, mm-hmm. or at least um, dudes I've been talking to, but I've just had t- trouble dating in general. I think... And that's also come from dancing where I think I'm just at this point where I'm honestly like uber confident and comfortable with myself and I'm already kind of a feisty, aggressive type woman. It doesn't seem to mesh well with these dudes. There's a there's a passiveness in the culture of Pacific Northwest, <clears throat> which isn't always bad because like I I am like, oh yeah, part of the reason I wanted to leave Southern California was because I didn't like the culture of like overwhelmingly being aggressive and confrontational and competitive mm-hmm. and really like label heavy and it's just bleh. You know, so when I moved here, I was like, oh, wow, people like stop and let you cross the street or people will look you in the eye and say thank you. And not everyone's dressing the exact same in like skate shoes and a matching shirt, you know, like, I mean, we all wear flannel here, but but it was just it was less intense of a culture. But then in terms of dating, people don't communicate directly. Yeah. Here as much. I would say there's not a lot of direct communication, period. (laughs) Like if I have any type of issue with anybody in any capacity here i feel like they they can't just tell me yeah it's got yep. it's yes I, yeah someone instead of someone like being like hey you did this thing and it upset me or even like bitch we need to talk you yeah. know yeah um instead they'll just go on instagram and be like this is a call out <laughs> or they'll wait they'll wait <laughs> till like they get angrier <clears throat> and angrier a few weeks later and then say something and mm-hmm. that's just or like plant a little seed of gossip that you hear about later and you're like, wait, what? But yeah, I mean, dating here, I feel like I just, I, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's been really hard. I actually, I had an easier time in DC and I think that's just cause I got along with dudes better, mm-hmm. but it was more stressful in the sense that like, if I did start dating somebody, it was just a matter of time before they were holding stripping over my head. Gotcha. Because of the stigma. Yeah. That's well, you're I mean. a stripper, so right. Blah, blah, blah. You get naked for other dudes, so I can do whatever I want. Yeah, blah, blah, and that's one thing I'm grateful about this area. It is, it is very like sex positive, and that's also super unique for most of the country, progressive or not. Um, it's very um, openly sexual here, mm-hmm. just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really nice. Like it's rare. Like most places aren't really like that. God, I need to get out of my bubble more often. 
<laughs> I forget that. We're so comfortable in some ways. It's easy to get used to it, I'd say, for sure. Like, a, less than a year in, I was like, okay, cool. It's kind of just like always being a stripper, you know what I mean? Instead of like having to hide that half of my life and then be normal all the rest of the time, mm-hmm. I kind of can just always be stripper mode, homo mode if I want. <laughs> homo mode. Um, <laughs> what else? I mean, in terms of of dating I feel like I if you're gonna I don't know if you're gonna date somebody who like really has no exposure to the industry I feel like there's a set of questions that you usually might hear which is how long are you going to be doing this for Mm -hmm. do you have any other like backup plans or whatever um yeah people are always kind of concerned if they have any kind of stigma about it it's that like concern that they don't really understand um which well, is like any job. No job really has permanence. I would say back home, um, I always made sure I had another job. Mm. So I could be like, I do this too. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It made me feel better. And it made me feel better about like explaining that question. Mm-hmm. You know, that answering that question for people. Where here, I've been able to turn dancing into a career. So it's easier for me to be like, this is what I do mm-hmm. and come to my this show is the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my flyer. Do you have a flyer? <laughs> um, uh, one of the things I heard from a coworker of ours here in Portland recently was I'm getting really burnt out on men and becoming really jaded towards men. I feel um, the same way. For yeah. Sure. And so I asked them and also I know that because I have a few dudes in my life that are like reliable and don't cause me issues and I can trust, you know, like B or John. Um, I asked them, I said, do you have, yeah. I said, do you have any like (laughs) healthy male relationships in your life to keep you grounded? And if you don't as a sex worker, it's so fucking easy to become jaded. Yeah. Um, But you have male friends, right? You have, I have a a lot of male friends. Like, Just I grew up with and mm-hmm. um, I have good relationships with the men in my family. Maybe not active, but they're not bad relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's different. It's it's totally different. Like when I was a younger dancer, I was also in D.C., but I was younger. I feel like when you're a younger dancer, you go through these little phases of being like, oh, my God, everything's so hard. Fuck customers, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to like I have like a sense of comfortability now with customers. They're kind of predictable. And so I'm not necessarily as jaded by them as I am dudes that I'm trying to date. Mm. Like, I I feel like dudes out in the real world are pissing me off mm-hmm. more than customers. Mm-hmm. Like, customers, you're always going to have to, like, correct them or handle them a certain way. And they're always going to be the same way, no matter where you go. Yeah, we work in hospitality. Yeah, so, like, th- this many years in, there's a I'm at a point where I'm just like, okay, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, um... So I don't feel as jaded by customers, but I definitely feel jaded like I feel like there's a dichotomy here where it's like I'm not allowed to be this confident and comfortable as a stripper. It makes dudes in the real world super uncomfortable. It does. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, John, I don't know if you have anything to like equate this to in terms of gay dating. Um, Hmm. Maybe not, but um, I feel like the stronger you are in your sense of self here, the more it really scares the shit out of people Mm -hmm. because like, I mean, a lot of us, yeah, are kind of flailing through life with like, you know, the economy and the news and depression and we're trying to figure out, but like, there's so many grown ass men, like 30 year old men here who like are very, very unable to do something like ask you out on a date 
and be like, I'm going to take you here to this place. Meet me at this time. It's like, well, you want to oh, maybe hang so out sometime? Like, I don't know. Like, it's still like you're yeah. in fucking middle school, like at a dance. Like, it's what are you so doing? It's so weird. Yeah. No assertiveness, yeah. no directness. You have your shit together and it scares the fuck out of people. Well, this is exactly what's, what I'm jaded about. It's like, you know, I don't have all my shit together but one fucking thing I have together is that I've worked really hard to be this comfortable in my own skin I wasn't always this way and um I don't like being told oh you're too intimidating that's why you can't date anybody that's why it's not working out for you like no I'm not gonna change all this work I did to feel good as a sex worker good as myself because it makes you uncomfortable for some reason Mm -hmm. like that's what I'm jaded about like that it's just mm-hmm. um, related, but um, I was thinking, what are some like stripper <laughs> stripper sex advice? <laughs> and let me give you an example. Like I talked to so many civilian women who um, have never looked at their own like butthole in a mirror. Yeah. Whereas we do it like 10 times a night, three or four times a week. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I know the status of my butthole, you know, so being more like <laughs> sexually, you know, aware or confident in terms of knowing your body. So what would you th- say or some, if you had to give any stripper related like sex tips, things that you've learned, can you think of any? Well, I feel like most dudes think and because like what you're saying, like civilian women, um, not all of them, obviously, but your average plain Jane might not be as self-aware or body aware. And um, I feel like there's always talk before sex, right? Mm. So or some sort or of there should be something, you, you know, there's always some sort of interaction where you're like, OK, but, you know, I usually have a conversation with a dude about sex type things before I actually bang them. And, um, you know, they, there's a lot of talk and then I feel like I find myself always being way too much for them. Like they just <laughs> wanted to jackrabbit and get out of there. Yeah. Like foreplay is just that, just talk. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I find myself, I've had to teach a lot of people like we're going to slow yeah. down now. Yeah. I would say as, uh, something stripping has taught me in terms of like increasing your pleasure is if you can stand it, look each other in the eye. Yeah. You know, really, truly, that's. I mean, I feel like I'm a very passionate lover, and a lot of people, just in general, are just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Eye contact is a big one. Smile. People love it when I smile on stage. Oh yeah, they're like, you look so relaxed and happy. I giggle. Yeah, Yeah. giggle. Um, Humility. Also, have humility. I'm not like I mean, being a dancer, like I was saying earlier, it's humbling, and like we both know, it's you really just put your whole self out there in in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that definitely translates to sex. Like I'm, you could see me any type of way. I'm not like scared of being vulnerable or looking any type of way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's easier to let go, but I don't know. That might not be the same for all dancers. No, no, it's you know? certainly, certainly not. But I think you're a good example of how you've utilized work in this industry to improve your person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like your feelings around your personhood. Um, John, can you think of anything? Because you've been to a few strip clubs. Can you think of anything you gained by going to strip clubs, like as an audience? Um, I would say probably. Um, I mean, initially, I had a lot of anxiety when I went to to Lucky Devil because I just also didn't have a lot of experience 
going to strip clubs or even bars and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. like one thing I learned was kind of how to follow the flow of like a club. Mm. Um, so mm. like, you know, if there's someone performing, you can go up and like watch and stuff and you, you tip and like, I kind of watched everyone tipping and like figured out how to do that like properly. And I actually think mm. I learned like a lot about a, a lot about just like paying attention to like who's doing work in your immediate environment for you. Um, mm. And just, I don't this know, showing appreciation stuff. with that. Cause I feel like, like a lot of the times tell we don't other people yeah. this as advice, yeah. like new. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. situational awareness, that's definitely, yeah. Hey, that's like an intimacy tip too. having situational awareness, like as yeah. much as you can. Oh, I love that. Also bringing straight guys to strip clubs was really fun. Cause I feel like that also makes like, I don't know. I feel like guys who are willing to be brought by gay guys to strip clubs are probably like, I could be totally wrong, but probably going to be like decent ish. Hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah. If, you, if like you're a straight guy, hang out with a gay guy, you're probably less of a dickhead anyway. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. something to that. It's yeah. Just being so, an open person, yeah. you know, makes it the whole experience yeah. more fun and easier. So that was fun. Not really a sex tip, but it was like, I don't know. It was kind of fun. I, yeah. The, that um, one time that, uh, I had a straight dude on my lap while I'll give him a lap dance. Yeah, so. we brought this up. Yeah, John was like, <laughs> but I, can I, you I give, suppose what I learned from that is like foreplay at strip Can you clubs, give this maybe? guy, give this guy a dance while he sits on my lap, and John's all happy. He's like, mm, I get to touch his chest, and I'm like <laughs> dancing for dude who was like later we found out trying to maybe try to bone me, and I was like, mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, no, thank you, no, thank you. Um, yeah. Let me, let's see. How about one more question before we take our second break? John, I highlighted it here. Can you ask Nikki this other listener question? What will you miss about stripping when you're older or if you get injured, do you think? I think I'll miss a lot of it. Like most of it, honestly. Um, Mm. um, Ask me that question five, six years ago. I would be like, fuck that thing. I hate it. I hate it. Really? Yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely gone really back and forth with it over the years, but right now, uh, you know, not every night's my favorite night, not every customer is my favorite customer, but it is my favorite job, and I've had a lot of jobs, Mm. so I think I'd miss most of it. It's easier to answer what I wouldn't miss. Mm. That's basically just like men talking to me like I'm a goddamn craft single, (laughs) and they're like staring at me and not giving me money, or, you know, customer interactions I think is what I would miss the least, but I love being a part of like a good staff and um, mm-hmm. working somewhere that makes you feel comfortable and being able to express yourself mm-hmm. every night, style yourself. We should um, in our, in our after show, let's, let's tell some funny customer stories. Um, do you we, remember the guy last Friday? They were just like <laughs> all sorts. Oh my of God. Things. Can you mention the great Cornholio? <laughs> Is that the dude who went through the fence? No. <laughs> Wait. Oh yeah. Oh, who who oh. was doing that? So I was on stage last Friday, and there was a person having some kind of disassociation outside, <laughs> and in the words of an onlooker, muttering and screaming like a guttural zombie, ripping boards off of the fence outside on the oh patio. My God. Yeah, with their hands and stuck their head through. <laughs> like here's Johnny moment. Okay. Yeah. What the so fuck? Cust- customers are like scattering, like <laughs> screaming and running. <laughs> <laughs> 
um terrifying so absurd. we live near the highway and also there's a lot of homeless camps and people having a hard time right now so that guy took off running and the bouncer was chasing him um what was the other thing oh now i was talking about the 40 something year old man who put his shirt over his head and stood at your stage and was like I'm oh my great- god was i drunk like i <laughs> i only vaguely remember this he was like i'm the great cornholio and i need teepee for my bunghole what and did i do was that- <laughs> you shook your head you were just like no <laughs> you were- simply no That's no amazing. you were coming off stage his friend was tipping you luckily he didn't tip i like remember this but it must have been just such like a fleeting moment yeah like, you had already made your money you were walking away yeah, and he came like, up and this cornholio dude i'm out of here <laughs> yeah i was coming on so i was like oh i'm gonna laugh at this because i'm really glad that like am i the only one who just saw this like okay God, just um, from the past two weeks alone i have like 10 amazing customer stories oh yeah and then there were, what was the guy he said that he'd been marching for women's rights longer than before they had anything yeah, to march before for before they had something to march for and you're like are you 100 years old <laughs> like, like what are you talking about that one dude be like take your shoes off right here no one's here i'll rub your feet at my stage at your stage that was another simply she's no on, moment she's on stage and there's like spotlights shining on her and it's like a busy ass night i mean regardless but he's like yeah take your shoes off so i can rub your feet no one else is here it's like we're literally in the front of the room with spotlights on us what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about oh god okay let's take a break hey friends are you sick of razor burn Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive, and body positive. We are just over the 205 bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com. Are you a man looking for insight into the male brain? Looking for a safe space to hear discussions about the problems men face every day? Are you struggling in daily life, but finding it hard to pinpoint the cause? Maybe your relationship is suffering. Maybe your job is sucking the life out of you. Or maybe you love sex, but aren't having any. Maybe you're just finding it hard to feel genuine connections. Well, head on over to the Brome Podcast, where hosts Ben and Joe discuss many of the issues we face in daily life, but have little guidance in. You'll learn from the bros, and from guests like Elle, on how to talk to women, or any fellow human being. How to be more understanding and compassionate towards others, how to listen to your partners in the sack, and much more. Brome Podcast. B-R-O-A-U-M. Again, that's B-R-O-A-U-M. We have here with me John, my co-host. And Nikki Diesel, my co-sworker. Um, stripper shit. Let's talk about some more stripper shit. Uh, so in October, I wrote this little brief medium piece where it, I think it was called Please Don't Dress Like a Stripper for Halloween. And I was basically like, I know if you're a civilian, the easiest costume is like heels in a small outfit. I get it. But like, please, because Hustlers came out, don't dress like a really marginalized stigmatized population of diverse workers um and a lot of women were like very upset about that and then someone tried to tell me (laughs) they're like well you should appreciate that we're giving visibility to strippers oh no and i'm like you don't not what you're doing no like you don't know what fosta is you don't know that actual strippers are getting kicked off of instagram meanwhile hustlers is verified account like yeah absolutely kills me i mean i'm kind of like torn on this situation i'm not like as it pertains to hustlers specifically, 
like, yeah, of course they're not going to be, you know, kicked off Instagram or whatever. It's a movie. Yeah. But the unawareness that this is actually happening to real sex workers is just a bummer. It's kind of crazy because it's so prevalent in our world. It's an everyday topic. We're talking about being shadow banned and getting our Instagrams deleted. We literally talk about this with each other every day. Mm-hmm. So it is crazy that it's so unknown by everyone else because it's it's like our whole world as it pertains to social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, truly. Um, so then someone tried to say, well, pole dancing is actually based on Chinese and Indian men's pole dancing. And no. so pole dancers aren't copying strippers. They're copying Malakam, which I'm like, have you seen Malakam? Go look it up, everyone. M-A-L-L-A-H-K-A-M-B. The pole is fucking enormous. First of all, it's like three or four feet thick. That's like saying pole vaulting is is, uh, is inspiration for her. Like, just because there's a pole, that is a sport. It literally has... Yeah. I mean, physics, like speaking of physics and the human body, there's only so many ways you can really hold on to a pole. So some of the moves mimic each other. Someone's like, oh, we're the, well, the pole dancing move, the Superman, you know which move that is. You can do that. Like, oh, that's really similar to a Malakam thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, because there's only so many ways you can prop your body on a giant stick in the sky. Um, But apparently pole dancing started like earliest documented in America in 1968, Oregon in a club where they had a pole on the stage and the dancer's name was Belle Jangles. Wow. I love that. So very near and dear to Oregon, which would also make sense as to why we have such a wide diversity and so many clubs here. I mean, I would be willing to guess it'd be to keep girls up on their heels. Ooh, something to hold on to. And then pole tricks just evolved from that. Ooh. I would imagine. Yeah. That makes the most sense to me because, you know, burlesque's been around already for forever. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, it, and it stemmed from burlesque. It was the burlesque houses that they stuck a yeah, pole in. And you better believe back in the day, girls are drugged up and fucked up and probably super, super young. And I would imagine a pole was put there to keep hoes up. <laughs> <laughs> Either. So, yeah, the Malakam argument drives me bonkers. Um, when people yeah, are me like, too. It's so yeah. dumb. No, everybody, please stop. Shut that one down. <laughs> Um, also if, if pole dancing studios that are trying to distance themselves from strippers don't want to be confused for copying our art, like maybe wear the white undershorts and do barefoot pole like Malakam men do, but no, you're wearing stilettos or dance shoes or you're barefoot or you're wearing booty shorts and you're, it's uh, yeah. Killing me. I mean, 99% of them wear heels. Yeah. And they do exotic, they call it exotic dancing. While they're wearing exotic heels. Mm-hmm. So. And exotic dancing. The phrase exotic dancer came from, I think, the Second World War. The soldiers talking about the women they saw in other countries where they were stationed dancing naked. Because women dancing naked has existed all over the place and for thousands of years. And it's always been stigmatized. But it's always been lucrative because there's a need for it. And it's fun. Um, so, yeah, dancing girls. People love to hate us. Um did you see the thing about PayPal? Let's do a little bit of news that's relevant. Speaking of stigma and some bullshit and things that we talk about all the time that other people don't have to think about. Um, do you use PayPal at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And I don't use it for anything adult, but I use it for like podcast stuff. Same. Yeah. 
So in order to cover our asses, so this way, if something does get paused by the credit union or PayPal, I can say, oh, no, look, here's a receipt. I was teaching or it was a podcast thing or whatever. But I don't I don't want people to send me money on platforms for sex work stuff. And please don't if you're going to try to buy porn from me. Don't send it in the processing and write porn in the notes. Oh, my God. I've had someone do that. I was like, I can't sell to you this way. I will lose my account. So in November, I think it was November 13th of 2019, uh, PayPal is no longer working with Pornhub. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. Guess how many performers were impacted by this? Hundreds of thousands. Jesus Christ. Yes. Um so Pornhub has announced uh, as of mid-November that PayPal is no longer supporting payments for Pornhub. This was PayPal's decision. So people who had their payments on Pornhub going through PayPal, if they can do direct deposit, that's great. If they can't, um, good luck finding a payment processor that will accept from adult companies. That's awful. So that's scary just because it feels like the net is tightening because PayPal owns Venmo. Yeah, and it feels like it all the time. Like it's getting, it's just more and more of a thing. Like I was saying earlier, it's like, it it's our entire world in some senses. Like at this point, like what Instagram and all this stuff came out like a year after I started dancing, I think. Mm. And so it's been like our entire time dancing that like social media has Was been. a tool. Yeah, it's been a tool. And I've been using PayPal since then too from customers and yeah i stopped i definitely pulled back and i'm like yeah. okay well nuts to you guys it's less money that you now, get now that there is like cash app and venmo i use those instead of paypal but i still use paypal yeah and paypal owns venmo yeah um related oh john sometimes i really miss that you like don't live here anymore because the local politics when they get spicy <laughs> our current <Yeah>. mayor <laughs> oh yeah ted wheeler our current mayor um, so there's a re-election oh, yeah. May 2020 is when everybody votes May 17th, 2020. Um, Ted Wheeler has been a turd for a reasons I don't have time to get into, but he most recently said that he won't accept re-election donations from big pharma, tobacco, oil, guns, or adult entertainers. Mm. Do you know what fucking city you are the mayor of <laughs> the strip club, like capital per capita? of the country a ton of adult entertainers contribute to the local economy and the culture so you're a dingus i don't want to vote for him anyway there is a gal sarah Ayanna wrote running against him next year she wants to do a ton of work for addressing homelessness and living concerns and transportation and green stuff and lgbtq plus ia everything she wants to decriminalize prostitution or she wants to support decriminalization of prostitution in wow. the state I think she's the first mayoral candidate to to have that in her platform. Wow, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. I was lucky enough. I had a meeting with her for an hour and she's just like, I'm impressed with her energy. But anyway, she said, Ted Wheeler doesn't deserve this city. And uh, I agree with her. I agree too. Yeah. Um, like how, like, again, yeah, the strip club capital of the country. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, did you hear about what happened in Washington in spring with the strippers? Yeah. Uh, there were some strippers who lobbied to have panic buttons installed in certain locations, and they can now have customers banned for three years if a valid complaint about violence or harassment is filed against them. 
Um, they also won uh, the Department of Labor and Industries in Washington is going to set up some kind of advisory committee to help implement the new requirements that will include current or former entertainers and business owners. Um, I love that. I love the panic buttons. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Stormy Daniels um, helped uh, boost their efforts uh, about committee hearings earlier this year. So, but this was a case of strippers doing, uh, being able to lobby for their own rights. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, right. I love that. I wish we had panic buttons. I never even thought of such a thing, but like, that's a dope idea. So many situations where, like, I, like, my mind is going crazy thinking about all the times I could have used one. A panic button? Yeah. Yeah. As long as they work properly, because that's a fucking nightmare when you're hitting one, waiting for someone to come and nobody does. Um, <laughs> there is a website, thefeministstripclub.com. It is run by a ton of Minnesota strippers. Um, you should check that out. They made a zine. It's called The Grind. And it's articles and photos and personal essays to um, not only strip club reviews, but they have a special focus on ordinances that regulate these venues. Um, so just kind of shining a light on politics around stripping in their area. Dope. Yeah, I kind of love that. I don't know anything about Minnesota dancing. Oh, yeah, me neither. That, um, that's interesting. I knew a gal who worked there for many years and she would go back and forth to work here. And she said over there, first of all, there was like three clubs mm -hmm. in the whole area. So um, when that happens, I don't think people understand how much more money these girls could make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's it's really different state to state and in some cases, county to county. She um, said they wore gowns. She said it was oh, a yeah. gown club. I've worked at gown clubs before. where they didn't do pole tricks. Uh, I think she said that their feet weren't really ever supposed to leave the floor. So a lot of like sashaying and man, that would be really just hard. Really for me. weird rules, right? Like, doesn't yeah. that just seem so? <laughs> yeah. Um, but she also said she's like over there. If you don't have $200 within the first hour, girls are like legitimately pissed. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you make 200 bucks in Portland on a Friday, you're like, well, that was a shitty night. Or for some girls, that's good. I mean, honestly, like some nights, here I'm like okay like it took me it took me like a year I feel like to start making a profit here in Portland just um mm -hmm. adjusting myself to here mm -hmm. and just flat out the economy and the type of customers that come in and lack of business lack of just outright money giving mm -hmm. <laughs> that should be happening mm -hmm. because it's it's a luxury you know what I mean you're mm -hmm. it's not you're not entitled to come to a strip club yeah and not spend money that doesn't it's not how it goes yeah. and i'd like to see where in pop culture that is depicted please because i don't know where people get this notion that you go to strip clubs to not spend money that's not a thing did you hear about um we mentioned this in a previous episode but did you hear about when 50 cent a few months ago he tweeted that he spent too much money at the club and that he was going to need some of that back <laughs> he's like i need those girls to understand that was not a gift i'm coming back for my money oh uh yeah, it's like, why did you throw it? Why did you throw it? Like, that's just a fundamental non-understanding of what's going on. Like, no, this is the girlfriend store, don't you understand? Money's not a gift in the, the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> a gift? Yeah. No, it wasn't a gift. It was our income, fucking dumbass. Yeah, that's I'm like, so I'm going to stream all your music for free and never pay you. <laughs> don't you understand? I want to have a good time and not pay for it. Oh, um, oh that's so funny. That's so funny. 
Uh, well, John, thank you so much for joining us. Nikki, thank, thank you, you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, do you want to mention an Instagram or anything people can find you? Find me on my regular Instagram, which is lowercase Allison with one L underscore Nikki underscore Diesel. And on my Sex PDX, which is the show I produce downtown mm-hmm. at the new nightclub Candy. And that Instagram is lowercase s number three x pdx mm-hmm. you had to do it all in code so they wouldn't shut you down yeah it's scary to write the word sex on social media now yeah <laughs> actually our things. instagram did get shut down when we first <gasps> opened it did it yeah. but did you think someone sabotaged it i'm not sure like i a part of me thinks that and then another part of me is like i don't i don't know right it's like was it the moderator or was it some competitive coworker mm-hmm. or owner wild all right let's do the after show thanks everybody thank you for listening to strange bedfellows podcast to find behind the scenes photos bonus clips and journals from your guests and hosts type www.patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only one dollar Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillowtalk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.